Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. This is Make It Kind. M.I.P. With Massimella Mark Thompson. Make It Kind. Get woke. Ladies and gentlemen, we have talked a great deal about the great victory in Georgia during the Georgia runoffs. Unprecedented people voting in a special election when people normally don't vote in a special election. And that's everywhere, um, all over the country. What Georgia did was tremendous. And we owe a great debt of gratitude to some of the goddesses, is what I call them, that make that happen. We've heard, um, we've heard, we've talked about Stacey Abrams. We've talked about Sister um, Latasha Brown. But the New Georgia Project was equally as instrumental. And another sister that we've been hearing about, and we have her right here with us today we're going to hear all about it this is black history month we'll hear a little bit about that as well and what's next i was just talking to her before this interview hoping she could get a break but she's reminding me there's still a whole lot of other stuff on the table never and that's what we need to be trained to do we can never stop being conscientious about going to the ballot that's why sometimes we aren't prepared when it's a special but we'll get into that with her she'll give us our marching orders here from the new georgia Project, its principal officer, Insay Ufat, is here on Make It Plain. Hello, hello, hello. Hey, Queen, what's going on? How you doing? Congratulations, first of all. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. I thank you so much. Um, yeah, it feels good to to be a Georgian uh, uh, for for the moment. I feel good. And I ain't even no Georgian. I feel, <laughs> feel good about it. I, did, I was down there doing some work with the with the Black Church Pack and, and organizing some of these churches. I mean, everybody came together. You know, we, love Pastor Mike. Let me say that. That's right. That's right. Yeah. I mean, it's that's not supposed to. I mean, white folks don't even vote in special elections. I mean, that's just a phenomenon of America. White folks don't even do it. You got all of us in a special election. How did you do that? Um, you know, in our community, they say that if you stay ready, you don't have to get ready. 
Um, and so one of the things, one of the arguments that we've been making um, for quite some time is investing in independent Black political infrastructure. Right. And so the idea is that you don't come in uh, with your trash bag full of cash a couple of weeks before the election, handing it out to your favorite pastor or your favorite black leader and saying, turn your people out. Right. That doesn't build power for us over the long term. It, there's not a there's not a data culture that's surrounding that. We don't know where our folks are. Uh, we don't know what messages are working um, and it, it's just not sustainable. And, and so you know, again, the argument that we've been making um, at the New Georgia Project for the past seven years is uh, allow us to build infrastructure that we can build, we can hire, uh, recruit, train and deploy uh, an entire new generation of Black operatives and organizers um, who know these communities because they come from our communities. Um, and so, like I said, we said, listen, within the Within 48 hours of the of Georgia being called uh, for the Biden and Harris administration and the announcement of the runoff, we received 10,000 requests to volunteer with us, and we were able to meet. We were able to absorb them all, right? Um, and so, you know, we knocked on two million doors uh, in nine weeks. We made over 7 million phone calls, over 4 million text messages uh, with, you know, 8,000 volunteers uh, and a staff, a permanent staff of about 110 uh, with an additional 500 uh, part-time temporary staff. So again, and it's dedicated to moving Black voters, having conversations about things that matter uh, and connecting the things that they care about to this opportunity uh, to change history, change the composition of the United States Senate, et cetera. Um, and just there's a clarity that we've had that there is no path to victory in Georgia without overwhelming support of Black voters. Can we say now that Georgia is pretty much flipped all the way and, and permanently flipped? Is it, can I be comfortable in saying that? No, I'm not comfortable in saying that. Um, I mean, you know, in the in the ways that we speak things to existence, I'm not going to discourage you. Uh, but here's the challenge: um, currently in our state, so Warnock, Ossoff, Biden, Harris, those were statewide races, right? Because Georgia has been gerrymandered to hell. Um, our congressional, our 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 congressional districts but also our state legislative districts. So what that means is not only do we have a Republican governor and lieutenant governor, all the constitutional offices in Georgia are Republican. And there's a Republican majority in the state, in the state House and in the state Senate. And they have just dropped 20 bills that are designed to hold on to their power, suppress the vote, get rid of vote by mail, get rid of drop boxes, et cetera. And so they, they, they're playing for keeps. Um, and so I would say that if they are successful in um, passing even half of the voter suppression bills that they have introduced, um, we are going to be a purple state for a long time, a battleground state for a long time, where it's, where it's a game of inches. Because, you know, I don't want people to also didn't want people to be fooled by the fact that just because the secretary of state and others weren't going along with Trump that they were on our side, you know, as you said, they're still going to do, they just couldn't do it in November and January. I'm sure they would have loved to. Right. That's because of what you did. 
Right. You, you swelled the numbers enough that they couldn't trick it. Right. But they still got some tricks up their sleeves, obviously. 100%. And thank you for saying that. I felt an intense amount of pressure between November and January uh, by uh, your colleagues and others in the media uh, to say, to give our Secretary of State and his spokespeople props to give them their flowers. And people would start interviews like, isn't it great uh, that, you know, he said that there was no voter fraud and that um, he certified the results of the election and that he's rebuffed the president's advances. And I'm like, okay, so you want me to congratulate him for not participating in a, in a criminal conspiracy to steal the election. As the secretary of state and the state's chief elections officer, so thank him for doing his job. Right. Because like, it, 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 ah. and that's because the bar had been lowered so much that just doing your job again and not agreeing to participate in a criminal conspiracy to steal the election feels like it warrants praise. Uh, and so I'm like, I mean, you know, thank you for not breaking the law. <laughs> thank you for not being a treasonous traitor liar. Um, but and many groups like the New Georgia Project are still under investigation. There are still active lawsuits. And again, the Secretary of State, the governor, the lieutenant governor, and all of those people that were getting praise for not um, going along with stealing the election are supporting these 20 bills uh, that are introduced in the legislature so that are going to make it more difficult for Georgians to vote, including their own voters. So to be clear, um, it, it, are we, can we say for certain or do we know for certain that they didn't try a trick in November and January and it just didn't work? I mean, uh, was there some vote or there voters that were suppressed in November and January? Listen, where do we start? <laughs> <laughs> they cut the number of days, early voting days between for the runoff or people voting in runoff. That's suppression, right? People didn't have all the options. We already had uh, limitations because of the holidays, right? The high holidays. I mean, we're talking about Thanksgiving, Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, uh, New Year's festival. So all, like legit holidays in between those two elections. And then they cut early voting days on top of that. They cut the number of drop boxes. So where people, uh, you know, could drop off their absentee ballot. They don't have to wait in line. They don't have to mail it. Why? Because they've been attacking the postal service. Um, holiday mail is already notoriously wonky. Uh, you got the postmaster general playing all kinds of games and shenanigans. Um, and so we knew that there were going to be issues with the mail. We were encouraging people to um, drop off their completed ballot in drop boxes. They cut the number of drop boxes. They tried to cut the number of hours that the drop boxes were available, um, making the argument that if there weren't people there to monitor them, then the drop boxes shouldn't be open to the public. The whole point of the whole central conceit of having a drop box, though, is that it's supposed to make it a convenience for customers after hours. Uh, you don't need a drop box if the office is open. Um, so we had to sue to prevent that from happening. Um, I would say uh, in the days before the election, sorry, the Secretary of State um, 
threatened us with criminal prosecution um, if we participated in any line warming activity. So Georgia has made all kinds of news, international news for the nine, 10, 11 hour lines that people have to wait in to go vote. And so part of the work that we do, our volunteers handing out hot chocolate, handing out coffee, bringing food trucks, et cetera, that they threatened us with criminal prosecution. And so we lost a bunch of volunteers in the days before the election um, because folks didn't want to go to jail. Um, so yes, again, they there was one voter suppression scheme that they didn't participate in, but there were several others that they did. So can we say then you were able to compensate by getting the numbers up? You know, I, I guess the rule of thumb, and you might actually have a formula for this. You know, we know they're going to try to suppress one vote. You got to make sure turnout is what four or five times that one vote they're going to suppress. Is that it? Okay. 100%. I mean, the idea is that until we are able to have a secretary of state and a governor and constitutional offices that take protecting our democracy and protecting our elections infrastructure seriously, that the only way to ensure that the will of the people is reflected in the results of our election is by having overwhelming turnout, overwhelming participation, running up the score during early voting, running up the score with vote by mail and running up the score on election day. Yeah, that's, that's very important. And as you were saying, so you got a mayoral election in, in Georgia. Several. Right, there's several elections. But on the mayoral piece, there's sort of an elephant in the room, right? Because we know Georgia's gentrifying like every place else. Mm. So the question whether we keep black power in the mayor's office in Georgia, that, that's really going to end up being the issue, isn't it? Um, I think that's going to be the issue. I also think that there's going to be an issue. Um, so there are a bunch of younger Georgians, particularly younger Black voters in Atlanta and elsewhere, that are questioning the utility of um, just race-based race -based politics, right? That there, there's an argument that can be made, like, is everybody that's my color my kind, right? When we think about Rayshard Brooks, uh, who was murdered by Atlanta police uh, in the parking lot of a Wendy's. Uh, and the, because of the grief and the grieving in the community that, and possibly some agent provocateurs, uh, the Wendy's burned down. And there was so much hand-wringing and concerned about a building um, as opposed to the Black life that was lost. Um, and so I think that uh, when we think about there's an extra jail in Atlanta uh, that our current mayor ran on um, or one of her first promises and one of her first like public uh, press conferences was we were going to there's a plan to close this extra jail because the truth of the, the sad part is that you got beds in a jail, they're going to fill them. And Atlanta has an extra jail that costs several million dollars a year to run. The promise was from the incumbent mayor to shut it down. And those of us who are talking about defunding the police, those of us who are talking about accountability, um, have real questions. Uh, you know, we think about income inequality in Atlanta um, and how, you know, there's a narrative about it being a black mecca. Right. I mean, you know, sorry, D.C., uh, but there's definitely a narrative about Atlanta being a black Mecca. Uh, and there are tons of I mean, I think part of the reason why Georgia uh, statewide is in the position that we're in is because there's so many upwardly mobile 
black families moving um, back south and moving particularly to Georgia. And if you're born black and poor in Atlanta, you're 90% likely to die black and poor in Atlanta. And so there's a tale of two Atlantas, probably more, um, that needs to be addressed. And I think that that is going to be front and center um, in the mayoral election uh, that we have in a couple of months. And and then Raphael Warnock has to run for re-election next year. And we know you can't start that election next year. That has right. to start soon, right? Yeah. Right. Uh, the, you know, Ra, the Reverend Warnock is running for re-election. His election date is going to be November 2022, along with the governor and all the other constitutional offices. Um, but the primary is May of 2022. Um, and so, you know, you can just backdate it and think about how campaigns start nine to 12, excuse me, nine to 12 months before election day. So we're looking at possibly May of 2021, which is, you know, 100 days from now. You also mentioned other what municipal offices. I mean, so that all of this stuff. And that's again, these are things we can't take for granted because it's uh, and, and say it really comes down to trying to make this second nature for our people, doesn't it? To always be aware of the voting process, be aware of voting, not just to be interested when it's a national election, right. not just to be interested when there's a Barack Obama or Kamala Harris on the ballot. Right. Um, but uh, throughout the year. Because these are people who make decisions about our daily lives. 100%. Um, I think that it's really important that people understand that the, the clarity or the cleanliness of the water that we drink, the cleanliness of the air that we breathe, uh, whether or not your school board is forcing your school to reopen, despite the fact that teachers are not considered essential employees and are not getting vaccines. All the medical research shows that children are super spreaders, even though they don't carry the symptoms uh, in the ways that um, older adults do. Like, pick, you know, that the fact that the mayor and the city council are the ones who negotiate the police union's contracts, right? Like there's so much that affects our daily lives um, that we leave in the hands of elected officials. And um, if you're going to trust someone to do the people's work, make sure that they're going there to do the people's work. And that goes for the Biden administration too. I mean, let, let's face it. Uh, if there's ever been any doubt, there is no more hands that literally once picked cotton in Georgia, picked the president, picked the Senate majority. So we have to be heard. We got to get something for that. Ain't no point doing that. And then folk, with, oh, it's the same old, same old. Well, we'll get to y'all. And, you know, we can't really do that right now because that's too controversial. I mean, that's what this is about, too, isn't it? Absolutely. And so shout out to uh, Reverend Warnock, or Senator Warnock. Uh, that's going to be weird. Senator, Reverend, Reverend, Senator, I don't know. Uh, but shout out to Reverend uh, Senator Warnock, who, like, first thing, $5 billion for Black farmers. I need it. Right. I need it. Like first thing he stepped on first day of school. Um, and so like having an agenda matters. And again, having people who are accountable to you and our community and to that agenda matters. Uh, and so I'm not going to say it's not going to be an uphill battle. I'm not going to say it's not going to be a fight. Uh, but there's uh, comfort in knowing that you have a representative um, and someone who sees themselves as being there to do the people's work. It's Black History Month. How are you feeling uh, about this month? You made Black History. You, you wear that, right? <laughs> oh, 
think you're ever Mark. You put on right. I mean, you, I know that's kind of you know. It, we, we don't re- you know we never realize when we're in it. But that's what you did. You made you made Black History, uh, and 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 resurrected the souls of those who did pick cotton in that state. You know, who who, who gave their lives for the struggle. You you uh, uh, lifted up our newly crowned ancestor John Lewis. I mean, in so many ways, this was so powerful. But but how how are you feeling about Black History Month? where we are today and our people's place in history. Um, I mean, you know, I grew up in Atlanta. Uh, and the, as you all probably know, we are raised on a steady diet of uh, King quotes. And so I think about, um, you know, the arc of the moral universe is long, but it bends towards justice. And I think that it is long. It is super long. Yeah. It's very, very long, right? So at the once, like I'm a Delta, right? And so at once, um, I just had a conversation last night with some of collegiate um, sorority sisters talking about the role of the founders of Delta Sigma Theta in the 1913 Women's Suffrage March, right? And that, you know, so they were marching for one, the right to vote that they themselves would not be able to enjoy in 1913. The 19th Amendment didn't even pass until 1920. So they got in late. And so that's seven years of organizing. And if we keep it real, it wasn't until the Voting Rights Act of 1965. So an additional 45 years after the 19th Amendment didn't Black women get the guaranteed right to vote, right? So thinking about the founders of Delta Sigma Theta and the the seven years from the Women's Suffrage March plus the additional 45 years for the Voting Rights Act of 1965 is that when there's the clarity, uh, there's a vision for liberation, knowing that I am a part of a long arc, a long unbroken chain of people. And so sometimes when it gets overwhelming, um, I just have to remind myself that I'm doing my part. Right. And, and, and doing it to life too. And we appreciate that. Let let me ask you this though. I mean, in terms of, of, um, when we alluded to this several times in conversation, even in terms of, you know, black politicians, whether, you know, skin is enough, whether they really represent us. Does, does New Georgia Project do that as well in terms of, I mean, you all get voters registered, get people to the polls, but after they get in office, are you all also holding these politicians accountable? I don't I honestly don't know if that's also in the mandate as well. Absolutely. Okay. And quite frankly, it is the reason why we exist. Um, I'll tell you now, I mean, we are getting a lot of attention for our electoral organizing, and I'm super grateful for it because it helps us raise money for our community and our issue organizers. But elections in the, in the House of the New Georgia Project are merely just opportunities for us to test our power, to flex the power that we're building, right? And, and that's it. That's why, and to elect champions, right? People who can get to D.C. or get to Atlanta, to the state legislature and do the work on behalf of our community. But, um, you know, our 
in between election work is most important. I'm talking about our environmental justice and our racial justice work under a campaign called the Black and Green Agenda, right? Uh, that most Americans, their wealth is in their homes. Um, and that folks, when you look at rural Georgia and the Black Belt and coastal Georgia, the Geechee, the Gullah people, Savannah, Tybee Island, all of that, that are being hit with once in a decade storms every year, and losing their roofs, having to deal with racist insurance companies. So the, the work of the Black and Green agenda continues. And again, having someone in Atlanta and having people in D.C. who understand that helps us achieve our campaign and our issue goals, right? So yes, the accountability work, grassroots lobbying, all of that is a part of the work that we do. If I were a political in Georgia, I wouldn't want to run afoul of you. You have the power to get people out to vote, to change elections. So whatever you and the New Georgia Project is demanding ought to be what I'm for. If I'm a black politician, I'm probably not in office. Well. The New Georgia Project. <laughs> I mean, people focus on Biden and Warnock and Ossoff and all of that. But that trickles down. So there were clearly many other races, correct, yes. that were won because of the turnout alone in, in November. 100%. And people have been inspired to run. So in this moment when um, school boards are talking about, you know, whether or not to open and reopen, they're not asking the kids. They don't care about families, et cetera. So, um, you know, what does it look like to run some 21-year-olds for school board? They just graduated. They have thoughts. They have opinions right. about right. how we can show up for our youth. Um, and so, yes, it's it's school board. It's it's city council, it's town council, it's sheriffs, it's DAs, uh, and it's mayors. Yeah. I've been singing your praises, so I've been saying to people in these other states that are flippable, where we have large black uh, electorates, South Carolina, mm -hmm. uh, uh, Mississippi. See, you all were disciplined. You and Stacy, y'all could have gone and run for president yourself. But it takes no, but it takes discipline. I tell people all the time you talk about Dr. King. So this is the thing I think when you remember about Dr. King and say. He didn't come out and create a social media account to be a national leader. Hello. He started in a local struggle yep. and went from there and, and participated in local because ultimately all politics is local. We talk about the police. We ain't going to tweet away police violence. We ain't going to tweet defund. We have to get mayors and city councils and hold them accountable and say, you either change this police practice or you out of here. Right. The, the federal government doesn't even control the police. It right. is. It is. all these. So what people don't want to. You know, it's not as sexy to be on the ground locally because I got to have do the clout chasing. I got to have likes and clicks and everything. But that's a whole nother thing. We can talk about it. But, but Ooh, why are you out here telling people business? That's what I need. But I mean, I can have 50,000 retweets. But if I ain't moved 50,000 people on the ground right. to vote for or vote against someone who can make a decision on the police, that's just on Twitter. And then 50,000 folk on Twitter may not even vote in the local jurisdiction I'm dealing with. Half of them don't even. So half of them are bots. <laughs> See, don't even get me started. That's what I'm saying. So, so to have the discipline, that's what I'm saying. We need the New Georgia Project discipline in South Carolina, in Mississippi. Because some of us see it there. This can be replicated. Right. Can, it, can it not? 
Absolutely. And I will tell you that a lot of that work is already happening. So we are in right relationship or working to be in right relationship with our comrades and folks in South Carolina, uh, in North Carolina, Mississippi, Alabama. Um, I, I believe very deeply um, in, uh, so we have a, we have a colleague uh, named Mary Hooks, uh, who always says that, you know, part of our work is to avenge the suffering of our ancestors. And and to like make sure that our the future generations are proud of us. Uh, and so I know it's a bunch of black folks, smart black folks, committed black folks who are in, um, again, right, relations, right, right, right relationship with community who want to see Mississippi change, who want to drag South Carolina kicking and screaming into the future. And that's exactly what we need. And you have done that. You have dragged us all. <laughs> kicking and screaming, get ourselves together. And, and we so appreciate you. Um, before we go, how can those listening um, be supportive of you and the work of the New Georgia Project? Um, well, you know, I'm a church girl. Your time, oh. your talent, or your treasure um, is what we need in this moment. Um, I tell people that, you know, again, the arc of the Moore universe is long, <laughs> it's super, super long. And we need to be able to sustain ourselves to do this work. We need to sustain ourselves to maintain our independence. Um, and so thinking about uh, what time do you have? We are about to launch our voter registration year. Uh, we have a goal of registering an additional 60,000 young people and people of color in Georgia. And that starts at the end of this month. Uh, you know, there is um, newgeorgiaproject.org forward slash donate. Uh, always welcome for that. Um, and yeah, and if there are ways that you see um, that you can contribute to our org from, from you know, follow us, like us, uh, subscribe to our newsletter, subscribe to our mailing list, follow us on social media. We have been innovating uh, around um Voter education, our research shows that 70% of Gen Z uh, got their information about elections from social media. Yeah. So we want to show up in that place every day. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Yeah, that, that's, that's what we need. Folks, we encourage you to do that. Your name is so powerful. What does it mean? So, what does that mean? So you're going to laugh. So my full first name is Nsea Basi. And it actually means that um, I'm looking up to God or I see the God in you or I see the God in situations. So I'm supposed to be the family diplomat, the village diplomat. I'm supposed to see the good, see the God in situations. But it's funny because Nse literally means to see. And I've been wearing glasses since I was like five years old. <laughs> <laughs> but my granny said it's a spiritual seer, Reverend Mark. <laughs> that's, that's what it is. It's, you know, uh, uh, yeah, it, it's, we, we walk by faith. <laughs> and not oh. Right. Oh. There we go. There we go. There we go. So. What, what about Ufat? What does that mean? So Ufat, uh, second son. <laughs> second son. Okay, that's different. All right. Yeah, I mean, and so I think like ancestor, 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 ancestor was a second son. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, folks, when when you know when we talk about history, the great African warrior queens, and we think of you know names like. And Zynga and Nefertari and Hatshepsut, you know, years from now. And say is a name that we will call in those ranks because this was a war in Georgia and it ain't stopped. 
Matter of fact, we're still fighting a war against white supremacy. Right. And Georgia has been that cradle for quite some time. That is and so in a real sense, this was not uh, a, a violent military warfare, but it was a war to get us to the ballot box, to prevent us from being suppressed and to get as many people through as possible. And that is an ongoing struggle. And, and NSA is an example. You know, some of us are still waiting on, you know, Dr. King and Jesus to come back. But in the interim, it's some of us in the mirror. All right. And that's NSA. She ain't, she didn't wait on that. She did what she needed to do. And everybody in New Georgia did what they needed to do. And they heard her. So that's a lot of influence. Anybody that can get folk to uh, not be preoccupied with Thanksgiving and Christmas. That's who y'all want to organize whatever event you have it. <laughs> right. So, so she can she can make billion dollars just organize folks to come to events. But what she's done is get us mobilized to vote. And we are so thankful and, and really saved us all, even saved folk who didn't realize they need saving. Some of you, some of you white folks, some of you white women. What nothing for you uh in in keeping Trump or keeping Mitch McConnell in power. Nothing for you. A lot of times mm-hmm. folks vote against their own interests. That's y'all, right. including some Georgia. Quick, real quick, what did, what did, because I haven't seen final numbers. What did white women in Georgia do in the runoff? Um, I don't have those gender numbers right in front of me, but I'll tell you this, that basically uh, we are looking at about 70% of white Georgians voting for uh, Trump and uh, 29, 30% of white Georgians voting for Biden and others. So uh, we're looking at about seven out of 10 uh, white voters in Georgia still voting for Republicans, even in this moment, even after everything that they've seen, all of the transcripts, all of the tapes, uh, et cetera. But here's, here's why I'm also proud of that number is that it shows that it is truly a multiracial, multi-ethnic, multilingual progressive majority that's led by black voters. That is what it takes to win in Georgia. Right. Right. Only twenty. You only need twenty-nine percent of white voters to win. <laughs> you, so the runoff was meant to stop us. You think they'll, they'll change now? We don't say we don't need no more runoffs. You think that's what they're going to do now? I, I mean, listen. You know they're talking about it. If they listen, if Georgia has had no excuse. Uh, vote by mail, absentee balloting for fifteen years. So a lot of states expanded it because of the pandemic, right? Added vote by mail because of the pandemic. Georgia Republicans passed that law in two thousand and five. And so if they're willing to get rid of vote by mail, their law that has been on the books for 15 years, you know that they're, they're looking at the runoff. You know they are. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. That's right. People like, oh, we can't vote in the runoff. But then I said, but you know what, though? Tell me if I'm wrong. Last thing. There might be a blessing that is so close together. See, I thought after November, it would be hard, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, and say for people to forget about January. Like if it was like six months apart. Mm-hmm. To me, that's just this seems like a heavy lift. But mm-hmm. folks left November, and in November fourth, they were clear. We got to do this again in a couple of months. Am yeah. I am I right? 
I mean, people weren't exactly clear. That's why our efforts, our campaign was um, necessary because I definitely showed up on people's porches like, hey, you know, I'm here to talk about the runoffs. And they were like, no, baby, I already voted. Go ahead. And I was like, I know. That's why I'm here. <laughs> so um, it, it it was a heavy lift. I don't, I mean, there's just no way around it. Um, I think the, the, the exhaustion right, of dealing with the previous four years, uh, that there's a moment, like a sigh of relief, but also a recognition that um, the work wasn't done. And I think that's why we're gonna be so aggressive uh, during these first 100 days, actually throughout the entire administration. Because you didn't come to Georgia and say, I need a 50-50 Senate, um, but, moderate your expectations because of the legislative filibuster. So we might not be able to get anything done that working families need. That was not the stump speech. You said, I need Warnock, I need Asaf, um, so that we can get stuff done for American families, for Georgia families. And so that's what our expectation is. That's the energy that we're carrying um, throughout the 117th Congress. And that's what we need. Folks, support the New Georgia Project website once again. New Georgia Project, spelled all the way out, newgeorgiaproject.org. Queen Ense Ufat has been our guest. We with you, sister. I and, and not just to run our mouths, give us assignments too. Will do. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. I, I love your platform. I love how you leverage it to tell our stories, to get us organized. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Ense Ufat, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for getting woke and listening to Make It Plain. Please remember to listen, like, subscribe, and wherever you get your podcasts, please give the show a five-star rating. And please do spread the word. Let's all continue to pray for each other during this pandemic and this police-demic. If all hearts and minds are clear, it has been Made Plain. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, 
planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com.